whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends, Karen Pennington here. And those of you who've been sort of listening, watching lately to my posts know that I am very deep into the books of the Kings and Chronicles, specifically in the life of Solomon right now. So I've been thinking a lot about alliances, you know, because kings make alliances with other kings and, you know, they pair up and political alliances and uh, yesterday I made a very unholy alliance with cake. I don't even eat a lot of cake, but this was really, really good cake. It wasn't just any cake. It was, it was strawberry shortcake. I mean, it was not this homemade stuff where you throw, I mean, it was really top quality bakery level. The whip topping was amazing it makes me want more but I had such a stomach ache afterwards it was a bigger piece of cake and I just bought one piece of cake but it was like a feeds three people kind of one piece of cake and I don't know if any of you do some of you have really I'm sure some of you out there have much better restraint when it comes to food but I have this psychological thing in me that I will eat whatever's on my plate and then usually I feel satisfied no matter what it is. It's It can be a smaller amount, but I if I have more on my plate, sometimes I have to, that's why I had so many weight problems for so long, I, I have to have my husband take it away or I have to just put out the portion I want because my eyes, well, first of all, my eyes will see that I want it and then even after I'm full, I'll just keep eating it. That's why we can't have chips in the house either. I don't even, I don't even like potato chips, but I will just keep it's like this weird obsession. I'll keep eating them. And pizza, I really don't. I know some people love pizza. I don't really love the taste of pizza. But I'll be like, that was gross. And I'll eat more. Or I'll eat a donut. And it's a carb thing, I think. But so the funny thing was, I was on my way to do something healthy. My husband and daughter and son-in-law were looking at something um, at Home Depot, at a home improvement store that they were getting. They were looking at grills. And so I was, I, my self-appointed task was, I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to go on a walk with my granddaughter. It's going to be good. We're going to have fun. Well, it was rainy out, so I could just go next door. So it wasn't all my fault. I was trapped. So I had to go into the grocery store, which was the only other thing I could walk to without getting caught in the rain. And, well, the grocery store, it's a big grocery store, but the toy aisle is has about, I don't know, seven toys in it. And a grocery store doesn't have a lot of toys in it. So we got bored. So, of course, when we were bored, we went to the bakery. And I got my granddaughter a little juice. And I'm like, oh, she'll love this cake. So I got a definitely feeds two piece of cake. Now, my, my granddaughter, Amelia, usually eats half of my food no matter what it is. Usually when I don't want her to. But it saves me. <laughs> she just takes it. And sometimes if I'm eating yogurt, she will... Just go, baby's turn, baby's turn. And like, she'll eat two thirds of my stuff. So I'm like, this is great. She's going to eat it. She didn't want any of it. She just kept going. And she was even polite about, it. no, thank you. No, thank you. And I'm looking at this cake. I don't need this cake. I was staying away from carbs. I was trying to walk. I ended up walking about 
40 yards, maybe that. Um, so I didn't even get to walk. And here I am, like, I, I had made a commitment in my heart to eat healthy and to move in right directions. And obviously there's nothing wrong with cake in itself, but I put too much cake in me <laughs> and eating this cake caused me to go against other goals that I had made that are healthier goals for me that are cake is only bad when it keeps you from the things that are better. Candy is only bad when it keeps you from the things that are better. Um, I believe that's the nature of addiction when something that may otherwise be a gift, not always, but anything takes you away. You know, it offers more and I had a stomach ache. Oh my goodness. It was so good. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I don't need to eat any more of this. This is in a plastic container. I can put the lid on and go give it to my daughter or my husband. It's not going to go bad in the next 10 minutes. And I'm just like, I don't care. I like why I love tasted good. <laughs> Even if it didn't taste good, it was there. It's like if something's in front of my face and it's there, it's like, oh, that's gross. I think I should eat it. Or oh, that's really good. In this case, it was really good. So in any ways, I think I've beat that horse dead enough. I probably shouldn't have even bought it and now come to think of it I'd have been better off to just get in the car and drive a mile down the road and walk around in the mall and bought a pair of earrings or a pair of socks on sale and then I would have felt just as satisfied without a stomach ache and my granddaughter would have been able to run around more um, malls are more fun than grocery stores for toddlers just so you know so <laughs> but anyways I'm kind of digressing um, what it really made me think about is this morning as I was reading how we, we like, sometimes even as we're intending to do the right things, if we're not careful, we set up a foundation to line ourselves up for something really destructive. We set up alliances with things that the very things that God told us not to set ourselves up with, you know, not, not to be too closely clung to, not to be too closely connected to, um, in my case, it's high sugars and carbs, not because I just, if I have too much in front of my face, I eat too much. Uh, but I, I'm looking at First Kings. Um, now Solomon, he was so brilliant and he was so dumb <laughs> at the same time. He made some of the most brilliant moves. Is I mean, the way he set up his officials and his eye for just trade and the way he treated a lot of people and yet some treat people he treated horrible and the way that he was able to ask when he was really thinking about it the right questions and the right things of God um, and yet we look at first Kings 3 1 the very chapter where he asked probably the best question he could ever ask of God which was give me wisdom because I can't do this on my own just before that it says first King 3 1 Solomon made an alliance with the Pharaoh king of Egypt and married his daughter So give me wisdom, but in the meantime, I'm going to go to the very person that you told us never to go to. And I had talked about this before, but now I want to talk about how dumb that was. Uh, <laughs> Deuteronomy 17, 16. The king, moreover, must not acquire for himself great numbers of horses or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He went back to Egypt. He allied himself with Pharaoh and not just Pharaoh. It gets worse. Women. No, no I don't have any problem with women. <laughs> I'm a woman. 
But we're talking about foreign women. I don't have a problem with foreign women. We're talking about people who are worshiping someone other than God. And it said, let's skip forward. First Kings 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. We're talking about the people that God had said, get out of the area because they're worshiping people other than me. Now, there, in a lot of cases, was an ability, for some of them at least, to turn, to be proselytized, to be baptized into the faith of believers, of the Israelites, the Judeo-Hebraic faith, however you want to call it. But you're talking about people that are clinging to their gods and to the people who are against, you know, the false gods, the idols that were taking away from the purity and the goodness of what God wanted for his people. And Solomon, okay, so the Pharaoh thing, that wasn't right, right? His daughter, that wasn't right. Um, but then he did it more. And one could argue a very big reason for Solomon marrying these foreign women was political alliances. The Pharaoh would have been the strong king in the area. Well, up until Solomon, Solomon was more strong than him, but would have been the strong ally to have. He also made an ally with uh, King Hiram, who he had a business arrangement with, um, helped build the temple. But he, he would have been the strong king. I mean, this guy was going and annihilating people just so that he could give these cities to his daughter, Solomon's wife, which meant to Solomon, you know. But so he's like doing all this alliance with this king and that kind of makes sense. Still not what God, still dumb because God said no, but you know, you can kind of see the logic in it. But then he had another 700 wives, 700 wives, which means 700 alliances with other, how do you even find 700 other royal people in this area? How do you do that? It's like, how do you find it's like marrying the daughter of every mayor in the United States, of every major city in the United States or something. But then that wasn't enough. I guess that was for his kingdom, for the kingdom. But then he had 300 more for himself. What do you even do with a thousand? I, I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, so he had a lot of women and it wasn't just a political alliance. It says he loved them and it said his heart clung to them. That was verse two. And it says God said. Verse 11 too, you must not marry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after the God, gods, their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast and loved them. He didn't just love them. He clung to them. And where it says he built this temple for God in seven years, took him 13 years to build the temple for his wife, the Pharaoh's daughter something there's a couple things about this alliance that are really we should point out first of all this pharaoh was also a high priest i'm gonna get the name wrong and if i'm bad at pronouncing hebrew it's much worse at egyptian um this would have been pharaoh sussanes oh i think i did that right sussanes he was in a dynasty of actually pretty weak pharaohs uh they were pharaohs in name this was the 21st dynasty they were pharaohs in name, but they really pretty much just ran the lower part of Egypt. Um, and at that point, the high priest of um, of Amun, I'm going to say that right, wrong, the high priest of one of the high gods in Egypt, they, they claimed 
that they were, I'm trying to think if I can't find, remember the name, but um, they claimed that they were really the rulers because the gods had made them up to be the rulers. So really during this whole 21st dynasty, there was the Pharaoh in name. And then there was that, this high priest that really had more of the power. Well, when we came to uh, the Sassanese, he was actually a high priest and a Pharaoh. So he was pretty much the first one in that dynasty um, who had both powers, who claimed both powers. I'm ruling all of Egypt now, and I am also the um, spiritual ruler. So we're talking about, it wasn't just an alliance with a king of a nation that served a foreign god. It was a alliance, an alliance with the daughter of the high priest of the high god in that. So you want to make that guy happy? That's even more of a reason to be drawn, your heart to be drawn away from your God, your own God. I mean, you see, can't we can't be fully committed to God and yet committing adultery with someone other than God? How do you please another God? How do you please a priest of something totally different than what you worship without having a divided heart, without being pulled away from this very person? This very entity, this very being, yeah, source of all existence, you know, they give you everything. It's like God gave him everything. And it's like, all right, thanks, God. I'm going to take a little bit more. And, you know, in his kingdom, it didn't hurt him. That I mean, it did hurt him. But who it really hurt was everybody who came after him. Everybody who came after him. Let me tell you again a little bit about Egypt. I'm going to... Um, conjecture a little here. Why would God say, don't go back to Egypt? Why would God say that to the Israelites? Well, first of all, Egypt was a place of slavery. Why would you go back ideologically to a place of slavery? Egypt had been the greatest army in the world. God defeated them. God defeated them without ever having to war by opening up the Red Sea and shutting it. So if that's not a thing that says God saying, you don't need them, you need me, you need me. Don't forsake me for somebody who I already defeated on your behalf. Why would you do that? Um, <laughs> why would I eat that much cake? I just keep thinking of it. Now I'm hungry. Uh, but why? Because it's good. It looks good. Tastes good. Well, foreign women look good. Makes sense. They're appealing. And sometimes... When, when our hearts aren't focused on God, it's so easy to just shift a little bit more to that thing that's appealing. Not the most healthy, but it looks good and it tastes good. And then, you know, in light of God's grace, was it okay for him to have alliances within God's will? Yeah, sure. I don't think there was a problem with him, with Hiram helping him build the temple for God. You know, David had, is it okay to, you know, be diplomatic and kind where, where possible, you know, absolutely. Even in the New Testament, it says we should make every effort to be at peace where possible with others, non-Christians included, you know, and that's fine. But when that took the place, when, it, it, you know, it's okay for me to have a taste of cake, but, but I was sitting instead of walking and I was eating cake instead of eating these healthy things. I hadn't eaten dinner yet. Um, I didn't eat dinner till later. It was messed everything up. But so that's the thing with foreign women not foreign women who worship other gods, even now foreign spouses. When we, we go after people who don't know God, is it okay to be friends with people who aren't Christians? Absolutely, we're supposed to. 
Um, but there are certain parts of our heart that we're not supposed to be giving to people who are after things that aren't of God and particularly who are pulling us after the things that aren't of God because you either have a really, really bad relationship or you're being pulled away from God, which means both relationships are getting messed up, you know? Um, so Egypt represented that. Then there's this other thing about Egypt where it's a human power. Um, I mean, thousands and thousands of years of dynasties of Egypt, right? But some of them were fairer than others. The the greatest dynasty, family dynasty in Egypt was, uh, I have this somewhere. I think it lasted a little over 200 years. The 18th dynasty lasted 258 years. But then there was another dynasty in Egypt, Egypt that only lasted six years. So you never were sure when it was going to, it may seem stable, when it was going to shut down. In Solomon's case, this strong king, the one who that had united the kingdom because he was both priest and king, and it seemed like finally there's one power over all of Egypt, he was overthrown. He died. And the next king that took power while, while Solomon was in office was not even Egyptian. It calls an Egyptian diet. It was Lib they were Libyan. They were from the country or the nation to the west of Egypt. So foreigners came in and overtook Egypt and called themselves e Egyptian and called themselves Egyptian pharaohs. Well, you can imagine if you're going to be a new king, you're going to make new alliances. So Solomon thought he was secure. He rested his heart in these alliances with human people, with human nations, with this very person that God said, don't go there. And before his reign was over, actually, quite a bit before his reign was over, about halfway through his reign, new king, new dynasty, new alliances. And not only was Solomon not allied up with his new king, this king, uh, I'm going to say it right, Shishak. Uh, Shishak was a problem. Because Shishak actually allied himself with the rebels, with the people whom Solomon had alienated. You had uh, Hadad the Edomite. Well, there goes Edom, no longer part of the nation of Israel. Because, see, before, God had, had called David to sort of annihilate. <laughs> In his wars, David got rid of people um, who were not honoring God. And, but some of them fled, and Hadad was one of them. So um, the very thing that was supposed to be, the, the sinfulness and everything that was supposed to be destroyed, Solomon stirred it up again. And this Edomite, who wasn't a man, so didn't get killed, got, escaped to Egypt and had so much favor with Shishak that he actually married his sister-in-law. So he became a, a brother-in-law of the king. So the new alliance is with the person who's against Solomon, who ultimately would be part of taking the kingdom away, because at this point, Israel was like, not just a nation, it was like an empire. David had really built up a lot of stuff. And then um, Jeroboam uh, was part of a whole group of people contingency that had not been treated well by Solomon. Solomon started by not enslaving Israelites, but then towards the end of his reign, he forced even the Israelites into slave labor another way he went against what God said. And so Jeroboam also escaped to Egypt and also got shelter from the Shishak. So isn't that funny? The very thing that Solomon did that he thought would secure his future and his son's future and everyone's future 
um, absolutely blew up in his face because this new king is like, I am not, I, I'm not going to be weak and align myself up to this old king's alliances. I'm going to make new alliances and establish my power in a new way. So this very country that Solomon was relying on was the one that empowered those who took the kingdom out of Solomon's son's hands. Jeroboam, if we go a little further, 1 Kings 12 and then 1 Kings 13, Jeroboam was the one that led the rebellion against King Solomon's son and tore 10 of the 12 tribes away. So Solomon's son kept their own tribe, Judah, and one other, Benjamin. How ironic is that? The very thing he did to secure his kingdom was what caused its downfall. Why? Because he didn't do what God said. It was simple. God gave not that many even rules. Don't build up your horses because that's not where your it's not where your power is going to be from. Don't go back to Egypt. It's an unwise alliance. And don't let foreign women with ideas other than of my heart lead you astray. Don't marry him. And he did all three. It's like, why does that happen? <laughs> why are we we can be so dumb? Adam and Eve had one rule. They broke that one. God gave the Israelites 10 rules in the desert and Moses was up on a mountain 40 days and they had broken all 10 of them. You know, God gave, you know, gave two or three real strong warnings to Solomon and he had everything his heart could desire. But evidently, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they, he, he went after the thing that wasn't good for him. He went after these foreign alliances. Thanks, I'm just going to do this extra. And these were the very things that tore him down. Why do we do that? Why do we? Why can't I be in a grocery store? Even a grocery store with all these healthy things that are good for me that I like to eat. You know, I walked right by the fruit, <laughs> right by the fruit. And there was so much fruit. And I I wasn't, actually, I wasn't even in the bakery. I was in the deli. The bakery was somewhere else. I walked right by it. There just was this one piece of cake, like, and I ignored the fruit and I ignored all the vegetables because I walked by the vegetables too. And I ignored the meat in the deli and I got the cake. I got the sugar. What is it about us that we ignore all the things that are good for us, even the things that nourish us that we enjoy and go after something? And then we can't even just have a taste of it. You know, we can't even, there are some good things that God gives us, you know, and we can't even just, taste a good thing. It's, there's nothing wrong with strawberry shortcake, except for when I eat too much of it and I haven't eaten anything I like, you know. There's nothing wrong with uh, healthy sexuality within the confines of marriage. There's nothing wrong with looking forward to healthy sexuality within the confines of marriage. There's nothing wrong with enjoying good food or good desserts. There's so many things in life that there's there's nothing wrong with it, but then we like there's nothing wrong with having a wife. A thousand? Really? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a friends. But when our desire for friendship leads us to do things that take us away from God? No. And if we know they're going to take us away from God, why even go there to begin with? I just need to stay out of a grocery store until I've had my salad from home where there's no more cake. Why do we do that? And yet here's the grace 
That second question, a second request that Solomon made of God was when we mess up, draw us back into your way. Draw us back. If you, if we mess up because there's no one who won't mess up and then bad things happen and we cry out to you because we're like, God, look at the mess I made. Then just hear and forgive and God's answer. Such a beautiful Beautiful promise. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So there's a double-sided coin. There's like, there's like always this chance to come back. There's always this chance to course correct. But it's kind of like when you veer off the wrong way on the highway. Why would you want to take the extra journey? Why would you want to waste your time? You know, so thank you so much, God, that we can come back. But to say I'm going to do whatever I want right now because God will take me back. That's like saying, well, why don't I just punch myself in the stomach? I know the bruise will go away. Why don't I slap myself in the face? Why don't I cut myself? I mean, scab will go, right? Scab will go away. Why would we do things to hurt ourselves? And, and yet God just keeps accepting us back. And God keeps loving us. And just my prayer for me today, physically and for all of us, is Lord Jesus, help us to cultivate enough of an appetite for the right things. Cultivate in us a hunger and thirst for righteousness because we're filled. And then when we're filled, we're not hungry for the other stuff, God. When Solomon sought after you and extravagantly gave to you, and it, then he was good. It was good. But when he sought to fulfill his appetites with the world, he was never satisfied. And in the end, he called it meaningless. So, Lord, help us to appreciate what you have for us. Help us to seek after you with zealousness, with jealousness, because that's the one area that we can just keep asking for more, and it's okay. Help us to selfishly seek after you, God, because it's okay to selfishly want you for ourselves and then to share you because you just increase in us, God. God, be with our appetites today, spiritually, physically, otherwise. And fill us because we know that if we hunger for you, that's exactly what you'll do. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends. Amen.